0: Boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound racing wrap across Victoria. RSN nine two seven is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher,
1: and a very good morning, and welcome to Talking Greyhounds on this Saturday morning. Trent Mason helder with you once again, and joining me as she does each and every Saturday morning. Uh, call cool this morning, Simone Fisher. Simone, good morning, how are you?
0: Yeah, good morning. Trent Gee, it's a chilly one this morning, isn't it? It sure is, uh, <laughs> yes. but
1: uh, we need to get through a very busy show. What's coming up on today's show?
0: Today I'll be talking to Linton Hogan, who is the Vice President of the GOTBA, about the revised Code of Practice, and also George Ferrugia ahead of tonight's big meeting at the Meadows.
1: Looking forward to that. What's been making news in the world of greyhounds this past week?
0: Well, obviously the four semi semi-finals of the Maturity Classic final will be run tonight at the Meadows, with first and second place getting is making their way into next week's $100,000 to the winner final and also due to a lack of nominations Trent in the Stayers event the Destini Fireball Stayers Cup is now now being run as just a one-off event $25,000 to the winner and uh, we will see a terrific contest, no doubt, between Litter Brothers, Rip and Sam and Tornado Tears.
1: It's been a very, very good rivalry. Tornado Tears has uh, had the upper hand, but we will be interesting to see whether Rip and Sam can peg one back on him tonight.
0: It sure will. Shepherd and Greyhound Racing Club have welcomed news this week that the Labor government are providing the club with $13,000 towards... Three race meetings this winter and also uh, about $70,000 going towards infrastructure upgrades. And one of those upgrades is the decking at Shepparton where people can stand, have a beer, have a chat um, during the race meetings. Probably not so much during the winter, but um, mm-hmm. definitely in the summer. It will be completed by the time the Cup is run on August the 18th, which is uh, well, the night of the Shepparton Cup. What I like about this trend is the willingness of the government, the racing minister, to invest into racing. It gives us some confidence for the future going forward, which is um, always a good thing.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Any improvements to amen- uh, amenities at any of the tracks can only be a good thing. Uh, a big weekend, of course, in coming up at Longwood.
0: Certainly is. Um, they have four features this weekend starting today, the Victorian Oaks and Victorian Derby and then the Longwood Cup and Burt Clark Memorial with a $20,000 in prize money up for grabs over the weekend. That's a lot when you think about coursing. It It sure is. Yeah. Um, I forget the exact numbers for the features, but it's over $3,000, I think. Now, years ago in coursing, they used to just, uh, run for a handshake yeah. I think so it's come a long long way.
1: No, that's good to see um, big day out at heelsville tomorrow
0: Yes uh, they are hosting their women on track day tomorrow as a celebration of the enormous contribution that women make to the greyhound industry. Cynthia O'Brien the manager there she's very passionate about this and um, she likes to have this as an annual event and recognise the women that do contribute and there's also specific races where there's just women trainers and women handlers. So um, I think there's plenty of pink going around and perhaps some pink bubbles as well, Trent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good to see. Uh, Tell us a bit about this National Adoption Day coming up at Warrigal.
0: Well, Warrigal are for the first time hosting this National Adoption Day on August the 5th. It's from 11 till 1. Uh, There'll be 28 dogs up for adoption. So people, again, do need to register if they are interested and it is necessary to do so. You can't just turn up on the day and um, expect to take a dog home with you. But you can turn up on the day and have a look around and see whether the greyhounds are the right breed for you as well, which is um, probably a really good starting point for people who are not familiar and would like to... No more. And then heading out Sandown Way, Trent, the Speedstar Series is set to return in September on uh, on Sunday the 16th, where 40 Greyhounds will contest 20 matches with $190,000 wow. on offer across all three distances on the track. Uh, how does that sound?
1: Yeah, no, it sounds very exciting. It's a tremendous concept, a great initiative, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing all the stars on show there at uh, Sandown. It's certainly a busy afternoon.
0: It sure is, but, um, it's just a, the type of racing that people really like. It's quick, yeah. it's fast, and. You always do have that thing in your head. You know, what if you had these two dogs up together? What would they do? Well, you get your chance to see.
1: And it's great from a, a betting point of view as well with, you know, turnover. I know he's very good with tab fixed odds. It's um, There's plenty of sort of uh, interesting bet types on the on the races, and um, it's essentially match race betting. So you can take a, a pretty decent sized multi, and, um, yeah, you're a pretty good chance to jag it.
0: And um, for those who like to, you know, <laughs> have it each way or try and just pick one, it, um, the odds are a little bit easier, aren't they? It's either one or the other.
1: Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Speedstar, uh, Bewildering, a bit of news on Bewildering.
0: Yes, and also Aston DB. Bewildering was the 2017 Speedstar champion, and he's now standing at stud with Aston DB um, with Shona and Jason Thompson at Awesome Lodge, and no doubt there'll be some um, very handy females visiting those guys as well. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Talking Greyhounds is presented by Christmas in July at The Meadows. Enjoy the lip smacking Christmas buffet for just $45 and exhilarating greyhound racing every Saturday night in July. Book now on 935522 or at themeadows.org.au. What's making news around the kennels? Joining me on the line now is Linton Hogan, who is the Vice President of the GOTBA and also a barrister. Linton, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Talking Greyhounds this morning. Now, you've had a very interesting role in this revised code of practice. The GOTBA played a very important role, and given your skills and your professional career, you were able to help facilitate this. Can you just talk us through your role with the GOTBA and what you've done with um to help with this revised code of practice,
2: yeah. So when the initial draft um came out uh, last year, um, is as a lot of the greyhound participants know out there, um, it was unsatisfactory in a, in a number of respects. And what the GOTBA um, engaged in, uh, with some assistance uh, from GRB as well, we carried out some workshops around the state at various different clubs. Um, invited participants to come in discuss uh, what that draft code. Said what its effects would be on them, um, importantly, um, and and things that they thought needed to be in the code and um, didn't need to be in the code. And what we did with that information is prepare some detailed submissions going back to government um, to, to allow them to think about those and then uh, do further consultation, uh, which uh, in the end turned into uh, the code that has come out, which isn't perfect. Um, but does take into account a, a lot better than the original did uh, the requirements of the greyhound industry and people in it.
0: And it's about half the size too, which um, does suggest that there was so many unworkable aspects and ridiculous aspects in that first draft code. I mean, I think the one thing that we can all agree on is it was just um, in some parts just so <laughs> ridiculous. So it sounds like these workshops have been very productive in the long run then because um, you've come up with something that's half the size that it used to be. Yeah, yeah. look, that's
2: right. I I think um, one of the things that greyhound people know, uh, and irrespective of whether a code exists or not, is that the the very great majority of greyhound people care about their greyhounds and care for their greyhounds and know how to care for their greyhounds. So um, the main difference between the first code and the second code is that it, it contains a lot less, still contains some, but it contains a lot less of you must do this in order to be able to care for your greyhounds, which... Um wasn't necessary um, and didn't allow people to flexibly do a lot of different things, um, you know do things better um, than the the must do um, in the, in the code.
0: I think the one thing that has still been left out though is that term discretion, and I, I guess that's um a very ambiguous term as well, but um I think people just feel that they're being harshly treated, and it's a bit unjust when you you look at some of the domestic dogs and the environments that they live in, as opposed to the greyhounds that people feel they're doing the right thing. So, what can you sort of say to the participants that are feeling like that?
2: Um, well, I think what we need to do as a participant um, group is is um, be aware of and give feedback to um, the regulator uh, GRV um, as and when this code is is. Um, being used, um, but also before that, um, so that we can have a code that that doesn't tie people up in in knots and allows them to care for care for their greyhounds. So it's feedback to us as a GOTBA about what things are working and what things aren't to GRV, um, and also to um, the politicians as well. Um, whilst this is a a code that's in place and, and is some in some respects difficult to change, that doesn't mean that things can't change in the future or that the way that it's enforced um, can't be altered to take into account that people are treating their dogs well, for example.
0: Do you think that it's an achievable code in the long run?
2: We probably have to wait out on that. Um, it is diff- um, very different in, in some respects in the sense that it imposes, and this is the GATBA's um, chief continuing issue with the code, it imposes um, significant record-keeping requirements um, on um, everybody that um, owns a race and greyhound, or keeps a race and greyhound, I should say, um, that weren't there before um, in terms of um, the significance of the Establishment Health Management Plan. And it also keeps requires keeping of individual greyhound records, a sort of level of detail that, that doesn't seem to be, Efficient, And it doesn't seem to be necessary. And I, I think that's something that, that may, once the code starts in operation in, in 2020, uh, may be something that the GeoTBA um, will, will, will keep an eye on it and to try and scale it back potentially.
0: Perhaps some have some influence there. As you would know, Linton, as you've been knee deep in this, that um, there was an absolute uproar when the 1st code co-draft was released, I mean, there was nothing but negative publicity. There was people thinking that it was the end of the industry. It was closing it down by stealth means. Um, this time, participants have been very, very quiet. Um, it could be read and interpreted a number of ways, and one of those is that I oh, will worry about it when it happens, which is in January 2020, which is only 18 months away. Or they just think, we don't care. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. So... How do we balance that out as well?
2: Well, I think over the course of the next 12 to 18 months before the code commences, um, there's going to be quite a lot of work um, done by uh, GOTBA, um, by GRV and others in terms of um, some of the pro forma the paperwork, but also um, educating participants about um, what they have to do. Um, And I think one thing, um, whilst it is January 2020 that this comes into effect, i I think participants should be attempting to um to be working this code if I can put it that way um at least some months out at least three or four months out be doing everything that the code um needs including including record keeping so so whilst eighteen months will come quickly. It will. One January, January twenty twenty will come quickly, um, and you really shouldn't be expecting to to be not complying on the thirty first of December and then complying on the first of January. That it, it, you shouldn't work like that if you're at a participant to a participant out there.
0: And I think there's a lot of these elements that are being implemented now, like the record keeping, the worming keeping. Um, you know, if greyhounds have been on any treatment from vets and all that. So there's a lot of it that we're we're actually doing and not even thinking about. I guess it's just some of these other things perhaps around regulations of kennel sizes and that that might need to start being looked at well before that date?
2: Yes, that's right. Um, Although what I would say about kennel sizes and construction of facilities generally is that whilst the code itself starts on the 1st of January 2020, um, there is a a grandfathering provision in effect that that says that um, your facilities, if they're technically non-compliant with the code, um, can be replaced later than the 1st of January 2020 when they're due for replacement. Unless, um, on an inspection by GRV, um, there's a safety issue, uh, related to the, to that size of facility. So there's, there's some relief and that was one of the major measures that the GOTBA pressed for and, and got in the, in between the draft and the final code, which just allows that flexibility. Because there were plenty of participants out there that were going to have to spend 30, 40, 50, in one case even $100,000 on, um, having facilities, um, compliant, new facilities, um, uh, changed to make them compliant, Uh, and that was just um, completely unnecessary.
0: And unrealistic for many, many participants. Look, Linton, it's been great talking to you this morning. I might need to get you on another time because I'm sure there's plenty more to cover in the code, but we appreciate the the update because it certainly has been a lot better than the original draft copy. Thanks for your time.
2: Thank you.
1: All right, Simone, nice to uh, have a chat there with Linton. Time now for uh, Fast Times of the Week.
0: A few this week, Trent, uh, Dinah Patty, that 29.73 at the Meadows on Saturday night over the 5.25 there for Andrea Daly. Equilibrium had a couple of very quick wins this week uh, at Sale over the 6.50 and 37.17 for Ian Garland and also a 37.13 at Shepperton over the 6.50. So he's a, a greyhound one to watch out for, I think, over these middle distances. Big Flood, a 24.46 over the 4.40 at Sale for Shona Thompson. Alpha Midas a four ten win at Horsham in twenty three thirty six for Jeff Britton, Alabar, a twenty two forty four win over the four hundred at Warrigal for Dawn Johnston, uh, Azalea a twenty one ninety five over the three ninety at Shepparton for Jess Sharp, and Miriam ran a twenty nine forty nine at Sandown over the five fifteen for William McMahon.
1: They were the fast times. Time now for it's the expert pick Simone's run of the week. What do you got for us this week?
0: Equilibrium. I just mentioned him in fast times, but he was only two lengths outside the record after a slow getaway at Shepparton on Thursday night over the 6.50 there and won by almost 14 lengths. Certainly a greyhound to look out for. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Talking Greyhounds is presented by Christmas in July at the Meadows. Enjoy the lip-smacking Christmas buffet and electrifying greyhound racing every Saturday night up to Maturity Classic final night July 28. Book now on 935522 or at themeadows.org.au. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And it's a big night of racing tonight at the Meadows, and joining us now is George Furuta, who's up to speed on all these semifinals and also the Destiny Fireball Stayers event. George, how are you? Not
3: bad, mate. How
0: are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Um, It was a great night of racing last week, the eight heats of the maturity, and we go into four very good semi-finals. We'll take a look at the first one, Dinah Patty. Wasn't she sensational? And she jumps from the red.
3: Yeah, look, she, she's been a, a really, really good dog for a long time, hasn't she? And... She's been knocking on the door at these races. Of course, she started favourite in the Group 1 Sapphire Crown in open age uh, for the females. And back to the restricted age, um, I thought she was always going to be a huge chance in this series. And she was brilliant last week, 29.75. Defeated Ella Enchanted, whose run was enormous. But she certainly gets her opportunity, Dinah Paddy, from Box 1. She can be a little bit hit or miss early, but hopefully from the red she'll be able to have enough time to hunt up. And we all know her strength. Uh, Coming home uh, It looks a tough uh, Semi-final But she's clearly The one to beat
0: Oh she sure is She was my best bet Last week I knew she had the pace um, At best To cross from box 8 So box 1 does Hoot her She's got box uh, Sorry My Redeemer Jumps from box 6 Now this guy He's uh, a class act too But he can just be That little bit Of a risk early Can't he
3: Yeah he did And I, I thought His run was probably Below what we had Expected from My Redeemer Especially during That Harrison Dawson Series where he was outstanding winning that Group 1. He was very unlucky in Wentworth Park to not win another Group 1 there. But, um, yeah, look, he sort of sat behind um, Aeroplane Indy, and we, I thought he was going to run her down last week. So it needs to improve a little bit. I think he went 30 overall compared to Dynapad, 29.75. twenty nine seventy-five. There's certainly nothing between them, I think, uh, in regards to talent. But the box draw, as you mentioned, does make it a little bit tricky from box six. He's a little bit hit or miss. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if if uh, he won a race like this. He's certainly got the capabilities, but he'd have to improve from his heat run.
0: Certainly would. Semi-final number two, um, Aston Duke in box three. Baruga Bet- Brett uh, in box six was a great run also, along with some others. What are your thoughts on uh, semi-final two, George? Yeah, this is
3: a little bit more open. Um, all those greyhounds you mentioned were, were pretty impressive. I've, I've got a feeling Black Forge... He's going to d- derive a lot of improvement from his from his heat run last week. He had a very strong greyhound in Trick-Trick sit behind him for most of the running and, and got run down late against Trick-Trick in his heat. He certainly wasn't disgraced uh, in his run. And I think from box eight, I don't mind the draw at all. He's got a greyhound who's not a very good beginner in Papa. draw next to him. Varuga Brett can be a little bit hit or miss and will be looking for the fence. So Black Forge. Who did run 30.07 himself, Simone, uh, in losing last week? I think he really comes into the into this race. He's three dollars thirty second favourite behind Astaduke, who you mentioned as well. Who's got lots of speed? He's used to this type of company. He's raced in in uh, a number of group finals in his last ten starts, and he's just got a queer in the last fifty meters. But you'd think again, he'd get a little bit stronger from his run last week, but. Black Forge from Iron Off Box eight. I think he's the one to beat in this semi.
0: The thing with Black Forge, looking at his form, it doesn't look like he, well he hasn't had a start at the Meadows until last week, so it possibly was his first look at the track also. He's had um, quite a number of races back to back, so I'm unsure whether he got there for a trial. Uh, can you shed any light on that?
3: I don't think he did. I, I know he obviously came down for the Bendigo Cup uh, Carnival and Look, we always sort of have a little bit of a question mark when greyhounds from New South Wales do come for Victoria for the first time. I think it's another step up in grade, but the way he handled himself throughout that um, Bendigo Cup series where he ended up running second in the final, I think uh, put paid to all those uh, uh, queries. So, yeah, I thought he's run last week. Certainly he didn't lose any admirers, but, yeah, you're right. Especially a track like the Meadows, it sometimes takes a couple of looks to... At your best, so I just got a feeling about him tomorrow night that he'd uh, really run up to his best.
0: Semi final three we've got Orson Allen, Allah Enchanted, like you mentioned, a, a terrific run behind Dinah Patty last week. Dinah Chancer, who is probably better suited to the middle distance races, but again, um, of Chiefs Empire, we've got some, some good greyhounds in this gra- uh, race going around as well.
3: Yeah, this is a very, very tough heat. Uh, TOB have got Orson Allen at, at favourite, Simone at $3.30. And, that's fair enough considering where he's boxed and his run last week uh, in his heat was outstanding. He ran 29.91 himself. He's had seven starts at the Meadows for four wins. He's got an incredible PB of 29.81. What I like about this greyhound, he's got some real early speed, but then he finishes off races pretty good. and That makes way for for his, uh, if he can just get out in his first 50 metres, he becomes one of those greyhounds that, he, that is incredibly hard to pass and I think from where he's drawn, especially with Alarind Chanter on his outside, who's not a great beginner, he'll get the opportunity to race. But of the dangers, as you mentioned, Dinah Chancer has been switching distances very successfully. He even went up to 700 metres and won in very fast time at Sandown and went over to Albion Park for that group one series. But, yeah, look, he just needs an ounce of luck to that first corner. and He's such a powerhouse sprinter. Obviously, Corey, I've so got, got the two of these greyhounds in and they're two very big chances. Alarind Chanter who looks another Greyhound, I think will be suited over 600 metres. Her run-home time last week against Dar-Dyna Patty was absolutely outstanding. And Chiefs Empire, uh, Greyhounds, who was very, very good last week in 29.97. I thought that was a really gutsy win. So this is probably the hardest of the semifinals, but Orson Allen, I think, drawn to win.
0: And semi-final four, trip, trip, jumps from box four. But what a top run last week, very, very impressive. Then you've got Benali, who we've seen running over some longer trips. Um, but handled the five twenty-five at the Meadows very well indeed, and does have a good record there. Mapunga Pru got that early pace, but just uh, probably not as strong as some of these others. Uh, what do you make of heat four or semi-final four, George?
3: Yeah, another really good semi-final. I'm pretty keen on, on number seven here, Deliver, um, Simona. I- Again, he was in that semi final that uh, featured Orson Allen and Belt Up Barbs. So I thought it was probably the hardest heat uh, of the of the week last week. And he ran second in the race, and I thought he acquitted himself really good. He, he went up to uh, Orson Allen on that first corner, and he just didn't have the box draw to get underneath. And Orson Allen had the rails run and, and just uh, scooted away down that back straight. And I thought Deliver ran on really well. This is a Greyhound's had eight starts and hasn't missed the top two placing. And I don't expect that to change uh, tomorrow uh, tonight. Sorry, Banali, as you said, another one switching distances. <laughs> Just didn't skip a beat. did he, really? oh. <laughs> he he does have box five here, Simone. That's the query. And and treat, as you said, very very strong. But again, the box draw does not suit here. Italian plastic and as, and the grand you mentioned, Mapunga, Peru are probably the likely leaders in this race with Deliver. This is a really interesting semi-final.
0: They're all going to be great races, George, tonight, but I think there's one race that perhaps might overshadow these semi-finals, and that's uh, the Destiny Fireball Stayers event. Um, we see kennel mates, uh, Rip and Sam and Tornado Tears, and should I say, Litter Brothers, uh, heading, going head to head. Now, Tornado Tears has never had a start at the Meadows. Rip and Sam has had six starts for three wins and two placings, and he comes into this race after having four weeks off. So, gee, it's, it's going to be an exciting race.
3: It is, and, uh, and you'd think again. I mean, how hard is it to tip against Tornado Tears? And we certainly aren't going to do that. He's an absolute freak of a greyhound. Obviously, had no luck in that McKenna behind out of range, and he goes back up to a distance where I think he's clearly dominated, breaking track records. But you think if Rip and Sam has an opportunity to beat him uh, tonight, might be the night. As you mentioned, he's got a terrific record at the Meadows. Rip and Sam, Tornado Tears hasn't raced at the Meadows before. And this might be the opportunity. He's had a, a freshen up uh, Rip and Sam too. You'd think he'd be raring to go in this. So it is a, a really intriguing battle between those two. Tornado Tears is the clear favourite, though, with the tab uh, at $1.70. Rip and Sam at $4.00. And then you go up to Out of Range, who uh, defeated Tornado Tears last week. He's around the $6.50 mark. And Hot Tip, who's won uh, five in a row, is at $7.50. But this is clearly his toughest test today. But... Uh, can't wait to see the brothers in action. It's It's been a fantastic rivalry so far, which kicked off in the Sandown Cup Series, of course, and yeah, it'll be really, really good to see how they go uh, leading up to the National uh, Distance Championship coming up at Sandown uh, in, a, in a month.
0: Yeah, look, terrific no- uh, it's a terrific night of racing tonight, George. Thanks again for your time.
3: No worries, Simone. Have a good one. <laughs>
1: Simone, always great to catch up with uh, a good friend of ours here at RSN 927 in George Ferugia. Time to kick on with the remainder of the show. Last week's dogs to follow was... Uh,
0: Fabrico, who won the final of the Cranbourne to Sandown series on Thursday night. After a slow getaway, he managed to rail through and win in twenty nine ninety
1: nine. Uh, you got one for us to follow this week? I have.
0: Grey Ghost, he won his maiden at Ballarat on Wednesday night in 25-37, and 37, which was the best of the night. Previously, he'd had two seconds at Sandown, trained by Jeff Britton. I think he's certainly a greyhound to look out for.
1: Time for you to make some money for us and our loyal <laughs> listeners now. What's your best bet tonight?
0: Oh, don't go putting your house on this, <laughs> but uh, race for number one, Neo Cleo tonight at the Meadows, over 600. This greyhound ran second in the McKenna Memorial last week at Sandown. This is his second attempt at this trip, so I'm um, hoping for a little bit more luck and perhaps box one will suit.
1: Of course, we've got the semifinals of the McKenna Memorial tonight at the Meadows, but what else is coming up?
0: So the Shepparton Cup heats aren't too far away. They're in early August, as are the heats of the Nationals, uh, which are statewide, so there's plenty of good racing continuing on.
1: Uh, That's it. We are done and dusted. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun, and as we say each and every week on this show, keep those tails wagging. And we'll take a quick break here on RSN 927. When we come back, we go Talking Trots with Blake Redden and Jason Bonington from HRV. A big night of group racing coming up at Tapcourt Park Melton.
0: We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.